0: And as you do that, go ahead and take a Thanks seat. for listening to the Sunday Teaching Podcast from Salt and Light, a community based in Fort Worth, Texas, making disciples of Jesus together by seeking his kingdom in everyday life. Find out more at saltandlightfw.com. Hello. Good morning. Um, I am Ben Fort. If you've only listened to our sermons online, I'm not the main Ben here, and I'm okay with that. Uh, today we're going to be talking about a couple of Jesus' miracles, and if you want to follow along in your own Bible, whether you've got a book or you're looking on your phone or just want to Google it, we'll be in Matthew 14. We're going to end there, but we're not going to start there. Usually we'll read a passage at the beginning, but I'd like to start with my favorite illustrated version of Jesus, Miracle Man by John Hendricks. Uh, pictures will be on the screen, but also if you want to see closer, whether kids or otherwise, Crosby, Piper, Lucy, anyone else, my own family, uh, uh, you can come up here. I feel like, um, like the children's church, uh, of the churches I went to, uh, when I grew up in the morning, uh, the disciples woke up to a delicious smell. And you can come up here if you want. Hello, Piper. Uh, Woke up to a delicious smell. The miracle man had returned and was cooking them fish. Handing them breakfast, he said, it is time to return. There are many waiting who need to be fed. And uh, what I love about this book is that he puts Jesus' words into illustrations. So you can see, to be fed Is with trees. So if you're sitting at a table with crayons today, that's going to be your challenge uh, to uh, write something with pictures that are also words. Indeed, the man found a gigantic crowd waiting for him nearby. He stayed and spoke among them all day until it was very late. Finally, one of the disciples said, We can never feed all these people. You should send them away so they can find something to eat. And this this one may not be up there. Uh, the man saw a girl with a small basket of bread and fish. Child, the man said, "Would you give up your basket if it could feed everyone here?" Peter laughed and said, "How are five loaves and two fish going to feed so many?" The child handed her basket to the miracle man. The man gave thanks and broke the loaves of and fish, giving some to each each disciple to pass out to the crowd. He kept breaking and breaking and breaking and filled every mouth with bread and fish. How is this possible? Someone thought. The miracle man said, I am the bread of life. With me, there is abundance forever. And you can see abundance is made out of bread and fish. fish. Yeah, pretty cool. All right, the man was again tired and needed rest. So he sent the disciples on ahead to him. <laughs> Sorry, I'm, I'm getting a new appreciation for elementary school teachers, being able to read upside down. Um, of him to cross the sea once more, this time alone. As the hours drifted by and the wind blew cold, the disciples felt abandoned and scared. Then they saw a distant figure coming toward them. He was standing across the waves the disciples cried out in fear, a ghost on the water. A voice they recognized called back, take courage. It is I. Did you think I would leave you? All right, so that's where we're going to stop. Y'all can go back from where you came. Um, So multiplying food to feed a huge crowd, walking on water. If Uh, These are two of Jesus's most famous miracles because these things don't just happen. Uh, There's a lot of things in the Bible that people have human explanations for, but these are in the category of things that are either true or they're just legends. And in the Bible, they occur back to back. Uh, So here's my favorite quote about miracles up here. It's hard to make friends when you're an adult. I think that's the greatest miracle of Jesus. He had 12 best friends in his 30s, and they weren't his wife's best friend's husbands. <laughs> John Mulaney, who is not a theologian. <laughs> Thank God. Um, I sh- he does have some great uh, church humor in some, of his, uh, in some of his specials. I share this quote for a couple of reasons. One, it's funny. Uh, and two, it's true. It is hard to make friends as an adult. And if we're honest, this is how we view faith in life most of the time. It's hard to believe that miracles happen, but most days it's harder to believe in the possibility of 12 good friends. It's hard to believe that a person can walk on water. That's hard to believe. Um, But when life gets dark and hard and impossible, I think it's harder to believe that there is a God who has compassion on you a God who has capacity for you, and a God with the power to do anything about it. So in these miracles, we'll see that kind of God because Matthew, the writer, includes a dark detail. The Bible has four books about Jesus' life, and all four of them include this first miracle, the feeding of the 5,000. They include different details based on what the authors see as important. And that's just adaptation, right? So John Hendricks, he did the same thing. He read those accounts. He's adapting them. That's kind of what I'm doing today. Um, So different books having different details. That's just what authors do. Uh, But Matthew places both of these miracles right after the death of John the Baptist, which I think colors this very differently. So, spoiler alert, most of my time will be about John the Baptist, his family, and his death, um, and not directly about these miracles, but we will return to these miracles, and hopefully with some rich layers on top of it. And here's why I'm doing this, um, because as Christians, we believe that Jesus was fully human. Uh, He had a family. There were other families that influenced his own family. So, I think it's worth the time to look at this story through a human lens through a family lens, which is going to have its bright spots, and it's also going to have its dark spots. Um, But as Christians, we also believe Jesus was fully God, which is just bonkers, to be honest. Uh, It's not like this half-and-half demigod thing like Hercules. Jesus was fully man and fully God, 100% and 100%. It's weird. It's unique. No one fully understands it. That's why there's a religion named after him. Uh, We'll look at both these lenses, the human and the divine, and when we return to these miracles, I think it'll shine bright despite the deep, deep darkness. Part one, the family of life. There are three families in this story, and the story of Jesus and John the Baptist begins with their mothers. Back in December, Bethany led us through a close reading of the meeting between Mary, Jesus' mom, pretty famous, and John's mom, Elizabeth, less famous. And as an objective person who happens to be married to Bethany, I think she did a wonderful job, and I think it's worth listening to or re-listening to. Um, It's on our podcast feed. Uh, But um, both of these families... Uh, Mary's and Elizabeth, they learned of their pregnancies from an angel. And at the end of Gabriel's announcement to Mary, he tells her that her cousin Elizabeth also has a miraculous pregnancy. So here's from the book of Luke right after that announcement. At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea, also just love that Israel has a hill country like Texas, um, where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, blessed are you among women and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. John, the one who's going to die, he leapt for joy before he was born. And John's mother, Elizabeth, encouraged Mary with grace and truth by the power of the Holy Spirit. Elizabeth knew what God was up to, and she testified this to Mary. When I think of the idea of truth-telling, uh, it can have a negative connotation. So next slide. This is what I think about when I think about it. Like truth, uh, when we, we think it's like something that nobody wants to hear, it makes you unpopular, and it only tears things down. Sometimes, but that's only part of it. Elizabeth's tr- truth builds Mary up and it also points her to the Lord. Right after this, Mary bursts into a famous poem called the Magnificat. The truth is, Mary was blessed, and Elizabeth reminded her. And decades later, Elizabeth's son John would use truth to encourage Mary's son, Jesus. Here's how the Gospel of John, which is a different John, it was a common name, here's the description of Jesus and other John's, first adult meeting. The next day, John the Baptist saw Jesus coming toward him and said, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. So see the similarity of these greetings? So he saw Jesus coming, said, look, here's who you are. And then Elizabeth said, blessed are you among women and blessed is the child you will bear. Both of them, mother and son, proclaim edifying, encouraging truth as soon as they see the other person. Do you think that's an accident? John was raised by an encourager. My mom is an encourager. I like to talk to her because she makes me feel special. Uh, she was raised by grandmama, who also made me feel special. And in her last months, grandmama found it hard to talk, hard to get out of sentence, but she always found a way to whisper, you have beautiful children. Jesus was fully God, but he was also fully human, and God, in his wisdom, provided Jesus' family with this family of life. But it wasn't just genetics or personality. God gave Elizabeth and John the Holy Spirit. And here's how Jesus describes the Holy Spirit. But the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you the Spirit reminds us of God's truth, and we remind others. Look around. This is a family of life, sisters and brothers filled with the Holy Spirit. So I want to do a part that's a little interactive. Um, I want to see if a couple people here um, would like to remind us of who God is, maybe one of his attributes, something that we know about God, or uh, what is something that is true of us because of Jesus? Yes. He died on the cross for us. Yes. Yes, Piper. He is our father. Yes, thank you. Right. One more. Yes. is close to the broken hearted. He is close to the brokenhearted. Yeah, all of those things are encouraging. Uh, He died on the cross for us. Uh, He is our Father. He is close to the brokenhearted. Um, Thank you. Where am I? Okay, now raise your hand if you at any point this week could have used some encouragement. All right, so look around. See these hands. It is safe to say that anybody that you talk to in this world can use some encouraging truth. And we see that even in John the Baptist. He needed encouragement. This spirit-filled encourager, he also needed to be reminded of God's truth. You see, he was a prophet, and he also said the other kind of truth, the kind people don't like. He called religious leaders a brood of vipers. He called out publicly a regional ruler for having an immoral marriage And that's what landed him in prison. And in his cell, he had doubts about Jesus himself. So he sent his disciples to ask Jesus, are you the one who is to come or should we expect someone else? And Jesus encouraged John with the truth. Jesus replied, go back and report to John what you hear and see. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, and those who have leprosy are cleansed. The deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is proclaimed to the poor. And then Jesus gives his biggest recorded compliment to John. As John's disciples were leaving, Jesus began to speak to the crowd about John. What did you go out into the wilderness to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet. This is the one about whom it is written, I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way before you. Truly, I tell you, among those born of women, there has not risen anyone greater than John the Baptist. So, God the Father, through his Spirit, used this family, Elizabeth, Zechariah, and John, to encourage the family of Mary, Joseph, and Jesus, and then God the Father, through God the Son, provided encouragement and assurance back to John. This is a story of love between families, but there was also another family. Part two, the family of death. Elizabeth's family wasn't the only one that affected Mary. After Jesus was born, an angel appeared to Mary's husband, Joseph, and said, Get up, take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for King Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. So he got up, took the child and his mother during the night, and left for Egypt, where he stayed until the death of Herod. Herod was a regional ruler with earthly power. Can you imagine the effect this would have on these parents for a powerful political leader to target your family with violence? Uh, Some in our church uh, family have been refugees and don't have to imagine very hard. There's a story in Luke where Jesus is 12 and his family loses track of him for three days, which is not as bad as it sounds. Uh, It just means they had a lot of loved ones that they trusted (laughs) maybe a little too much. Anyway, when when they found him, and he was fine, uh, when his parents saw him, they were astonished. His mother said to him, Son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. And I can't help but think that part of the anxiety was from a decade before, worrying whether their son would be safe. But the Herod of Mary's generation did not accomplish his goal of death. But just like Elizabeth's son continued the work of his parents, Herod's son continued the work of his father. Here is Matthew's account of the death of John the Baptist, which, again, happens right before our two miracles. As we read it, think of the layers of family history. John, the son of the encourager, and Herod, the son of the destroyer. Now Herod, Herod Jr., had arrested John and bound him and put him in prison because of Herodias, his brother Philip's wife. For John had been saying to him, it is not lawful for you to have her. Herod wanted to kill John, but he was afraid of the people because they considered John a prophet. On Herod's birthday, the daughter of Herodias danced for the guests and pleased Herod so much that he promised with an oath to give her whatever she asked. Prompted by her mother, she said, Give me here on a platter the head of John the Baptist. The king was distressed, but because of his oaths and his dinner guests, he ordered that her request be granted and had John beheaded in the prison. His head was brought in on a platter and given to the girl who carried it to her mother. John's disciples came and took his body and buried it. Then John's disciples went and told Jesus, the family of life senselessly snuffed out by the family of death. How would Jesus feel at this news? Maybe Jesus had, had uh, thoughts of his baptism, which John did. Maybe he thought of his mother. Maybe his first memory was being awoken in the middle of the night and being told, son, we have to leave this place now. Jesus' present grief in this story is compounded by the past, but also by the future, for Jesus knew that his own path went through the family of death. This same Herod, who killed John in the most petty and flippant and wicked way, would sign off on Jesus' own death. As Christians, we believe Jesus was fully God and fully human. And in learning about John's death, Jesus the human was crushed by grief on all sides. The present loss of a light in this world, memories of John, family memories of Elizabeth, and the shadow of his own future with this same wicked king. And as humans, some of our worst moments are those that hit us from the past and the present and the future all at once. Family issues can do this. Those of us with chronic illness, whether it's physical or mental, they can do this. And Matthew casts a dark, dark shadow on these miracles that are about to happen. Let's see how Jesus, fully human, responds. And we're, we are slowly going through Matthew 14, if you opened your Bible. Uh, when Jesus heard what had happened, that John had died, he withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. And we're not in the realm of wants here. Jesus, the man, has a real need for solitude, a need to pray to his heavenly father, but he couldn't have it. Hearing of this, the crowds followed him on foot from the towns. So in Matthew's gospel, Jesus faces a crowd who is keeping him from solitude in a moment of immense human grief. Part three, Jesus, the Son of God. I have a dozen friends who love The Chosen. Maybe that is you. It's a TV series about the life of Jesus. I personally am more of a Jesus Christ superstar guy. Um, uh, Go back, see if there's a slide. But yeah, okay, the 1973 version. There was a there was a live on TV version. It was fine, but the 73 version is so perfectly 70s. I love it so much. Um, and unlike the Chosen, this musical assumes that Jesus was. And to quote the musical, "He's just a man. He's just a man." Uh, There's a part in the movie, now you can go to the next one, where a crowd of sick people asks for healing, and it's almost like zombies, the way that they film it. And because this film sees Jesus as human, he gets overwhelmed and yells, there's too many of you. Don't push me. There's too little of me. Don't crowd me. Heal yourselves. And if this was just a human story that we're talking about today, this response makes perfect sense. If our story today was a human story, if Jesus was just human and not God, there are a couple of ways it could go. It could go like the movie, and Jesus would put his needs in front of others. He'd be relatable, the patron saint of boundaries. Or he could push his personal needs aside and help these people. He'd be an example, but an impossible one And in trying to be like that Jesus in a hurting world, we would quickly find out that there's too little of us, too many of them, and we'd end up overwhelmed, hoping the people around us would just heal themselves. But thank God that's not the Jesus of the Bible. And this is not just a human story of parents and sons. There is another father in this story. Matthew 3, Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. And as soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. And at that moment, heaven was open, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, whom I love. With with him I am well pleased. Jesus is fully human, and we've empathized with that so far but he is also fully God. And we're finally going to get back to the miracles, but uh, I encourage you not to see yourself as Jesus. We've empathized with his pain, uh, but moving forward, um, I wouldn't look at yourself as Jesus because it'll be overwhelming. See yourself as the needy crowds who desperately need healing from someone who can heal. So backtracking a bit in Matthew 14, when Jesus heard what had happened, He withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. Hearing of this, the crowds followed him on foot from the towns. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them and healed their sick. Elsewhere, Matthew describes Jesus' compassion for a different crowd like this. He had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Sisters and brothers, this compassionate Jesus is our good shepherd. This is the Jesus who died, rose from the dead, and sits at the right hand of God the Father. This is our high priest who empathizes with our weakness. He has firsthand human experience of the valley of the shadow of death. He knows what it is like to be crushed by the past the present, and the future, but unlike us, he is God, and he has died, is risen, and will come again. Let's keep going. As evening approached, the disciples came to him and said, this is a remote place, and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go to the villages and buy themselves some food. Remember, Jesus has already healed people at this point. That's a good day this is a reasonable chance for him to get his alone time, his prayer time. But this is Jesus, the compassionate son of God. Jesus replied, they do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. We have here only five loaves of bread and two fish, they answered, which I I have more empathy with the disciples than I usually do thinking about like, you know, this directive is coming from someone who is mourning right now. It it makes sense for him to delegate at this point, but we only have five loaves of bread and two fish, they answered. Bring them here to me, he said. And he directed the people to sit down on the grass. And taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and he broke the loaves. And then he gave them to the disciples. And the disciples gave them to the people. It's kind of a picture of the Holy Spirit there. Like he gives to us, and then we give to others. They all ate and were satisfied, and the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. The number of those who ate was about 5,000 men besides women and children. This miracle of enormous provision, uh, when you think of the shadow of the death of John, was the power of God coming down, meeting Jesus when he was low. God the Father has the power to provide. He does provide, and he gathers up the broken pieces. 5,000 men, as well as women and children, that is a big crowd. Earth has a crowd of 8 billion souls, 8 billion needy people, harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. The sorrows that our Father knows would destroy us. will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. This God, who does not grow weary, provided to Jesus, and this God provides to us. He provides in part by giving us spirit-filled people. But like John Spirit-filled people aren't always available. And to be honest, spirit-filled people don't always act like spirit-filled people. But he always gives us himself through prayer. After feeding the crowd and before walking on water in between two of his most otherworldly miracles, Jesus, the weary man, was alone. But he was alone in prayer with his untiring father. I think these theories gives us two invitations. One is to testify. Our job is not to heal. Our job is to encourage others with the truth that we have received, to remind a hurting world of humans that there is power and compassion and love beyond what we can see, beyond what we can feel in a given moment. We affirm that darkness and death is real and true, but so is light and resurrection. We remind through our words, and we also remind through our presence, through hugs, through listening, through time, right? But it's not the big H healing that we're giving. It's not the big C comfort. We are givers of small H healing, small C comfort, and God is the one who gathers the broken pieces. The other invitation today is to receive... In a world of death, receive life. Receive the tireless care and power of God your Father. Receive the compassion of Jesus our Good Shepherd and empathetic High Priest. Receive the comfort of the Holy Spirit and receive the encouraging truth when it comes out of the mouths of the family of life. Amen? Amen. All right. Um, every week we take... Communion as a reminder of what's true, a physical reminder that this Son of God died on our behalf so that we could live, so that life and resurrection could also be true, as well as death and darkness. So come and receive this reminder. Uh, There's different places to get a piece of a bread like thing, Uh, there's some up there at the tables. Um, there is, uh, all of it's gluten-free, and uh, there's juice and wine. I believe juice is the light one. Is that correct? All right, juice is the light one. Uh, take it back to your seat. Come and get that now and receive, and uh, but take it back, dip it, and come back to your seat, and then we'll do one more thing together and take it together. Um, so I grew up in a Methodist church where we had children's church like that. Uh, We also said a phrase that addresses the past, the present, and the future. And it's a powerful reminder when you're getting hit from all sides. Um, So uh, you're going to repeat after me after each phrase. I don't think it'll be up there, um, but it'll be Christ has died, Christ is risen, present, and Christ will come again, future. All right. So church, uh, repeat after me, Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. Receive.